Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, and a big thank you to Chief Jerry Williams from the Phoenix Police Department coming in and joining us, uh, giving us an update on what happened in the uh, the shooting up in north the Northwest Valley last night. Uh, we'll be on this all morning long. As new de- details come in, we'll bring you more information. want to shift to the topic to... Um, the economy. Um, Jerome Powell from the Fed gave a speech on Friday in uh, um, Missouri, I believe it was, and um, uh, he uh, gives a speech every year at a, at a symposium about the future of the economy. And uh, at this, he talked about what they're going to do in order to stop inflation. And he used things, he, he used f- f- phrases like selectively restrictive. Um, he talked about maintain restrictive policies. He said that it's going to be painful to some sectors and individuals, some businesses and individuals. And the stock market responding by dropped uh, by dropping um, over a thousand points. It was a thousand and eight points or three percent of the economy. It's the worst day since May 18th for the uh, the Dow. This morning it dropped another couple of hundred points and then it's climbing its way back. The last time I looked and I'm going to refresh this, it now has it up. It's down 87 points. So it's kind of fluctuating. It was way down that it's kind of bounced back and it's been up and down since then, but it's still down another 87 points, still above 32,000. But at one point it did fall below that this morning. Um, and the reason why the Dow matters is because we know that uh, investment in businesses and valuation of businesses matter. And it also plays a big role in consumer confidence. It always has and it always will. Um, here's a couple of headlines that I think should be concerning. One of them is that Elizabeth Warren is very worried that what the Fed is doing is going to cause a, a recession. Uh, the quote from Elizabeth Warren in the story says that, you know, the only thing worse than high prices is high prices with people out of work. And uh, I don't necessarily know that she's wrong, but this is the pathway that should have been taken a long time ago. I I mentioned earlier that the the way you're able to avert a disaster, and and if you want to equate it in some way, the analogy I used was – Healthcare is in this sense that if you are, let's say you're diagnosed with cancer, the earlier they catch cancer, the less invasive the treatment has to be in order to rid you of that cancer. We all understand that early detection and early response matters with almost any illness. If you can intervene very early in an illness, you catch it early, it's a lot less invasive to fix. Now, I don't think that the American economy is ever going to crash. I still believe the American economy is going to be the strongest in the world. I have faith in the American people. I do. But what I don't have faith in is some of the policies of what's happening right now. Um, here's a here's a headline from a Wall Street Journal. Inventory pile up. Uneasy shoppers put retailers in jeopardy. Chains have a, gl- a glut of goods heading into big sales periods just as some shoppers are pulling back. And so we saw a lot of times, uh, for a long time, we saw the supply chain issue where there were a lot of ships off the coasts that were not able to unload to get goods to places. We know the chip industry suffered a great deal, but it did in all areas of the retail sector. And once those goods finally made their way in, now you're see- seeing people pull back. 
So if this is what is worrisome for the manufacturing sector, as much as the retailers, but for manufacturers as well, is that if you manufacture goods, whatever it is, clothing, whatever it is, when there is a glut of your products in warehouses and on the shelves of retailers, retailers want to keep the income flowing. They have dramatic sales to get rid of some of that inventory. Well, it's going to be a long time. If it's sitting on shelves and it's sitting in warehouses, the need for you to manufacture more to replenish supply goes away. I'm not, I'm no genius. This is not rocket science. So in the manufacturing sector, when you see a big dip in manufacturing, you're going to see layoffs. Now, I'm not predicting this is going to come in huge numbers, but this has been the concern. Not addressing inflation appropriately by calling it transitory, by saying it's going to go up for a couple of weeks and then drop back down. When that didn't happen, the Fed has admitted that they have made a mistake. Treasury has admitted that the mistakes were made in the way they categorized this and how they didn't handle it sooner. I don't believe that our economy is going to fall through the floor. I've never believed that. And, you know, um, the American economy will take its hits. It has before. And we will climb back out. But in the meantime, there is going to be collateral damage, meaning there will be people that are kind of on the precipice, that are a bit on the edge, that are not going to make it. There will be people that fall through the cracks, that this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. The supply chain issues, the huge cost increase of employees and supplies that has done damage to a lot of businesses. And now if you have a pullback of customers, that's going to be the end of the road. And so we're I'm anxious to see how this ends up playing out because the American people are nervous, and they should be. Uh, This is a time where we still see a dramatic increase in inflation. They're going to have to take drastic steps to slow inflation. If it costs more money to borrow money, it's going to cost more money in the long run. It's going to cost jobs when people pull back, and that's why inflation is such a an economic killer. And it is the silent tax on everyone. And, you know, we can go down the political road all we want. And I think, you know, in some regards we will, but not without acknowledging that this is bad for so many people, that there are a lot of people right now that have been hanging on the edge that over the last few years with COVID-19, they have been able to maintain and kind of tread water. But the longer this goes on and now with this steep incline in inflation with what goods cost if the customer base backs off over end of the road um uh, bernie sanders has the highest favorability rating among possible 2024 contenders according to a poll that was done I don't know how reliable that is, but is this nation looking at the direction of socialism? Bernie Sanders defends the student loan debt cancellation, but he wants public colleges to be tuition free. So he wants to actually add four more years of public school is what Bernie Sanders wants to do. Now, I can tell you for a number of reasons why I think that's a bad idea. Uh, There are a lot of people that are complaining that you have completely ignored uh, the working class by what you've done with these student loan handouts. Um, And I know it's an oversimplification, but there are people out there that feel like, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to go to work tomorrow to pay for somebody else's student loans. Student loan forgiveness, if I forgive a loan, and and let's uh, we can talk about the PPP loans, which were expressed designed to be forgiven within certain parameters. But just say in my personal life, if someone owes me money and they can't pay that money back and I say to them, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Keep the money. I understand you're in a bad place. That makes me a good guy. I've forgiven a debt and someone can get it off their shoulders knowing that they can't pay it back and that I'm going to forgive the debt. That makes me a good guy if I do that. If I am somehow able to say, no, hang on a minute, I'm going to forgive your debt because I'm going to make someone else pay it. I'm not a good guy. 
The president of the United States shifted the debt from the people that created the debt onto people that didn't. And that's where people disagree. The working class, myself included, that didn't go to college says, why am I paying somebody else's student loans? You're not paying my business loans. And then we go down the slippery slope of having the government go in and intervene and um, say we're going to uh, forgive loans now in small businesses. If you're a small business that has less than 15 employees or 20 employees and blah, 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 we're going to forgive. No, that's that's on the road to socialism. If you create a debt, it's your responsibility. You want to do something to help people with interest or whatever else, understandable. But when you start wiping out debt and saying that it's going to be on the shoulders of other taxpayers because the White House is not saying they don't have to raise taxes to pay for this, and it's at a minimum half a trillion dollars, that's where people are upset. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about Border Patrol and a seizure and a story from an undercover cartel member that is going to turn your stomach. But you have to hear what it says. Coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, The Who, are heading to Auction Pavilion October 30th for their The Who Hits Back Tour. Tickets go on sale Thursday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. All right, a couple of headlines. Border Patrol seizes $4.3 million of fentanyl in Arizona. This was in uh, Gila Bend, I believe. And uh, how about this one? Border Patrol agent finds two children abandoned in southern Arizona desert. A toddler and an infant are lucky to be alive when they were found abandoned in the southern Arizona desert near Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument. That's in Ajo. Now, if that headline doesn't get you, Biden slammed for immoral open borders policy after human traffickers describe what happens to children. Um, I'm going to and I'm not doing the disclaimer to be overdramatic, but this is gross and this is horrible. And I'm going to give you a description that maybe you don't want to hear. But uh, so I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to decide that for yourself. Um A human trafficker was anonymously speaking to an investigative reporter named Sarah Carter, um, said that the cartels are very keen on, at times, even purchasing children. Before I go any further, let that sink in. The cartels are purchasing children, often the purpose of using them as drug mules. Here's the part. Or harvesting their organs to sell on the black market. The traffickers said juvenile organs fetch high prices for cartels and that deceased children's bodies are often filled with illicit drugs and smuggled into the U.S. using the corpse as a form of protection against detection. In many cases, they just have the children there and they have a purpose. Only they know what purpose they're going to serve. But yeah, they're just going to keep them there and the children are not going to be free ever again. This trafficker told this investigative reporter. Um, so the politics of this are the president's not doing anything about this. And I will tell you, I think that that's a fair criticism that not enough is being done at the border. I would say nothing is being done at the border. 
But again, I will also say that it's up to us in the electorate to make the changes because I will tell you that if I am yelling at Democrats to do something, nobody listens. If uh, Democrats are yelling at Republicans to do something, nobody listens. It's not until we are willing to talk to our own party and say to people within our own party, enough is enough. You know, there is a part of the base in both political parties. If you look what happened to uh, to uh, Kirsten Cinema, Senator Cinema, she has been roundly criticized by people in her own party. Her own party here in Arizona censured her um, because she worked with the other side because she wouldn't end the filibuster. All of these things, she wouldn't do it. And so they're talking about a primary candidate to run against her. Uh, uh, rumors out there that it'll be Congressman Ruben Gallego, and that's just a rumor right now. But that he'd be the most likely person to primary her because she is not uh, because she is willing to work with the other side of the aisle. And there is a segment of the Republican Party that feels exactly the same way. If you work with the Democrats at all, you're caving, you're a rhino, and and there nothing gets done. There used to be a time in our country, and I think it happens in any relationship, that nobody gets everything they want. Now, there are certain uncompromisable positions, and there are, no one's asking people to compromise their principles. But if we understand... And I'm speaking to my side of the aisle. If we look at this and we say children are being used to harvest their organs and the bodies of children are being used to truck in drugs because people won't look inside a corpse, we are a part of that happening. And so we've got to do what we have to do to get this border secured. And the other side of the aisle has to look at themselves in the mirror and do that as well. But if we are not talking to people on our side of the aisle where our votes and our voices count, then we are doing a disservice to this argument. Now, this was a, a cartel member that was talking anonymously. I have no reason not to believe what this person is saying, but it hasn't been verified necessarily. But we know what the cartels are capable of. You know, this is this is the next generation of the cocaine cartels that we saw the Colombian cartels that are still taking over that country. And if we are not willing as a society to stand up and say right is right, wrong is wrong, and you have to do the right thing, and uh, this is where the problems lie. Nobody in Congress is allowed to work with anybody on the other side of the aisle. You're not allowed to compromise one inch of what your the base of your party wants. And if you compromise at all, you're a rhino or you're whatever the Democrat version of that would be, and you cave in. You look at how much they hate Mansion. Look at how much they hate cinema on the left. You look at what's happened in the Republican Party with any candidate that dares to to compromise in any regard, even when you don't have enough votes to get everything you want, you should try to get as much as you can. And especially on an issue like this where it is so heinous and so ugly, I, I just – I don't know how we how we get around it. There is a nationwide teacher shortage. The New York Times points out Mesa, Arizona. We're going to talk about that teacher shortage coming up in just one moment. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. 
A lot of controversy about schools, and there is a, a shortage of teachers across the country. And there was a New York Times story. Um, it says, how bad is the teacher shortage? It depends on where you live. Um, and so I, the very beginning of the story starts in Mesa, Arizona. The new fall semester has just begun in Mesa, Arizona. Westwood High School is short on math teachers, a public school that serves more than 3,000 students in a populous desert city east of Phoenix. Westwood still has three unfilled positions in that subject. The principal has never started the year there with so many math positions opened. Um, so that's how this story starts. Talking about what uh, Westwood, where most of the students qualify for free or reduced price lunches, is one of many public schools across the United States that are opening their doors with fewer teachers than they had hoped for. According to one national survey by Education Week, nearly three-fourths of principals and district officials said the summer and the number of teaching applicants was not enough to fill their open positions. So we start there. Um, I had this conversation with some people from education recently. Um, if you want good teachers, just like in any other, I am a capitalist. And so this is the one time where my, the, my political leanings uh, don't clash with some people in education. They actually match up in a way, which is if you want to get and retain qualified teachers, you have to pay them. And I agree in that, with that principle. But I also would say teachers don't do this job for the money. They have to make a living. But it's a calling, just like police officers I talk so much about we talk about them often so it isn't just the money there are other factors that go into what keeps a teacher employed at a school money is a big part of it if you can't raise your family if you can't feed your family they're going to find something else to do but it's the stress that goes along with it um, and so there's two sides of this coin and i'm going to i'm going to look at both sides of this first one is out of oklahoma an Oklahoma teacher quit after she made books banned from the classroom electronically available to students and violated the state's critical race theory ban. So the Oklahoma officials say that if you don't like the fact that we have banned critical race theory, then go find a job somewhere else. That's one side. The other side is where teachers are upset because they're being forced to ask pronouns and get involved in sexuality and things that have no business in the classroom. And this is where I've heard from teachers as well. And I think you have to look at both sides of this issue. You can't look at just one. You have to give the other side a voice. When I'm hearing from teachers that are saying, so we go to school, we try to teach in a classroom. If I misidentify by using the wrong pronoun toward a student and the student pitches a fit, then we have this entire breakdown in the classroom time. What we're talking about is sexuality and gender identity instead of teaching in the classroom. It's another distraction and another tool that's used and kids will find distractions over anything to get away from classwork and it's valuable time that you can't make up. I'm hearing that from a lot of teachers. So it isn't just teachers in the system that believe that we should be talking about these things that are leaving when they're told they can't. As a matter of fact, in Mesa, um, there is critics are slamming the new transgender guidelines. Mesa Public Schools issued new guidelines for accommodating transgender and gender nonconforming students. Um, July 14th in a meeting. Some critics spoke at an August 23rd meeting uh, where they offered strongly worded critiques of some of the protocols which allow students to use bathrooms and locker rooms of the gender they identify with. Um, so I don't know why we're having this conversation. I'll be honest with you. Uh, we are we are rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic is what we are doing. Um, our children cannot read. Period. 
We are well below 50% when it comes to reading and math skills at grade level. Reading at third grade, math at eighth grade. Eighth grade students, less than half of them, probably about a third of them, are qualified to go on to high school math. And the same percentage or roughly the same percentage we are seeing well under 50 percent in kids that cannot read at grade level at third grade. And that is the critical grade level. Uh, um, as they say in education, that up until third grade, you learn to read. After third grade, you read to learn. And there is a dramatic difference in, in the reading level. The cape, you know, when, when you go to schools, I go into the elementary schools and do read across America when I'm asked by teachers. I've been in first grade classes. I've been in third grade classes. And the uh, step up in the reading level is fairly significant between, you know, kindergarten, first grade and the third grade. There should be a huge and significant growth in their reading skills. And when there isn't, they're not prepared for fourth and fifth and sixth and on to high school. And they're just not prepared. So while we are failing at the core of what education is supposed to be about, and that's the other question is, what is education supposed to be about? What do we believe our education at its core? Everybody has a mission statement. We have a mission statement for this show. We have a standard of these are the things that we do. What can the listeners to this show expect from us? And if it doesn't fit within that, then we don't do it. And we want to make sure we do what we do all the time as best we can. And every good business does that. If you're a restaurant, you should know what to expect when you go in. That is the key. What is the role of a public school? And they're, they are failing miserably at the core curriculum. They are failing miserably, and they have for a long time. So we've got a political argument going on about gender identity and gender norms and all this other stuff that has absolutely no place in the public school system. And it has divided our public schools. Some teachers love it. Some teachers hate it. Some are leaving. Some are going to stay. Parents are outraged. We're going to take our kids somewhere else. And in the meantime, our kids can't read. Period. And if we, the adults, we're supposed to be the adults, if we don't shift that focus – with a school district that's broke, they don't have a whole lot of money. Well, what are they spending money on in curriculum? Is it the core? Is it STEM? Is, it, is this the core of what education is supposed to be? And once those students are on the right track there, you can expand to other things. Why are you wasting time and wasting money? That's my opinion of what schools should be. But obviously, there are people out there that think that a school's role is a lot more broad, that it encompasses these other things. We have always, every kid I know, when I was growing up, I was one of them. We all have issues. We all have those things that are going on in our lives that are distractions to learning, that are overshadowing our mind, that we are making mountains out of molehills when we get older. If you remember how much you hated school or how, how boring school was and how hard school was, and you became an adult and three years into your adult life, you said, man, I wish I could go back to high school. But kids don't understand that. Keeping them focused and on track is what our job is, and I just don't think we're doing it. Matter of fact, I know we're not doing it, and I think it's something we should readjust. Coming up, we're going to talk about climate change and the economy. Um, there is a story about if you have a Chevy Volt. I'm going to just let that start there. If you have a Chevy Volt and the battery goes bad, we're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. 
Uh, all of you know what a, what an environmentalist I am. Um, how much I am concerned about climate change. Um, <laughs> um, I just said that for Julia's benefit. Um, here is my problem with this whole movement, because I think it is overtly political. On the other hand, I've said many times, and I mean it sincerely, we should be good stewards of the planet we live in. Um, I, again, saw so I, I this happened to me last week, and it's a real story. Um, a woman in front of me at a traffic light to turn left threw a cigarette out the window at Indian School on 44th Street. Not the end of the world, not the crime of the century, but I felt disrespected. I mean, as a citizen, I thought, first of all, what about fires? Not that you're going to catch anything on fire at that intersection, but if she's throwing cigarettes out of her window in the city, she's throwing them out everywhere. And the other part of it is it's just litter. It just is ugly. And so I said something, and not that she cared, but I said something. But the political movement that this is... Uh, Harrison Ford, um, and this has got to make climate change activists angry. At least I think it should. Uh, Harrison Ford, this famous actor, uh, traveled uh, on a private jet. Um, as a matter of fact, he has a multi-million dollar Cessna Citation Sovereign, has made eight trips, uh, roughly stretching about 5,284 miles, emitting 35 metric tons of carbon dioxide. Um, so... When you hear him at these – he was at a climate summit uh, last year. It's hard to read the headlines. Floods, fires, famines, plagues, and tell your children everything is all right, he remarked at this, this, act, at this summit. It's not all right. Damn it. It's not all right. I'm reading his quotes. I didn't curse on the air. That was Harrison Ford cursing on the air. Um, it's all right to feel frustration, anxiety, grief, but don't run away from it. Cry out for justice. Justice for Mother Nature. And he did it uh, with 35 metric tons of carbon dioxide emissions himself. I just, again, when you guys change your ways, when you start um, flying, you know, uh, commercial as opposed to private, when you start uh, uh, rolling back the square footage of your home that you probably keep cooler than mine and warmer in the winter, then we'll talk. Until you're going to live it, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear somebody with a burger in their hand preaching to me how good it is to be vegan. You understand? Don't, don't be eating a Big Mac while you're telling me vegan is the healthiest lifestyle there is. Um, this is the other part of it. I have in my hands a uh, Operation N0110 battery, hybrid battery replacement on a Chevy Volt. Um, and this is from the state of Florida. Uh, Ed, you want to guess? You want to guess how much this battery costs? Because I know uh, uh, Julie already knows. Do you want to guess? It's a replacement battery for a Chevy Volt. What do you think it costs? Just give me a couple of hundred bucks. That's what I would say. How about $29,842? <laughs> <laughs> the battery itself is $26,853.99 before taxes. It's more than the car, or it's the value of the car. $29,000. So, uh... I was just about to say, I had to pay for a battery yesterday. Mine was $180. I know, and you were... that any day. And you were, <laughs> you were angry about how expensive your battery was. $27,000 before taxes... This car has 70,000 miles on it. I'm looking at the odometer reading from this vehicle. Chevy Volt with $70,000. They had to replace the battery. The battery was $26,853.99 before taxes. That was before the shop supplies and the battery fee and the taxes. Um, so the tax on this was $1,712 in Florida. 
So uh, the environmental movement is expensive. And if we are going to convert this entire nation to electric vehicles, this is what we have going on. Um, I am all in favor of progress. I will tell you, we live where the solar, where solar energy, when it becomes viable and reliable for, I'm talking about public consumption. I'm not talking about on your home. I'm saying as a means for delivering power to the power grid, it's going to be a great thing. I have nothing against progress and I think we should always move in that direction. But when you are force feeding this on people, you want to know why people feel you're, you are disconnected. You are driving up the price of gasoline with your policies. There's no doubt about that, that you your policies against the oil companies has slowed down, slow, has slowed down refining and delivery of the fuel we need, which has driven up prices, and a push in a direction which we cannot handle. Arizona's already worried about its electric grid. Within the next couple of years, with the growth that's projected, we could be in trouble in the hot summer months of having issues with delivering power safely and effectively and consistently to its consumers. And on top of that, we're going to drive people by adding even more to the electric grid before the grid is expanded and in place. That's what my problem is. And then you've got environmentalists like Harrison Ford flying across the world in a private jet to lecture me on my carbon footprint. And until they change their ways, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I just think it's it's hypocritical. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we had a conversation with Chief Jerry Williams about the uh, shooting in North Phoenix, how bad it was, but how much worse it could have been. You're going to hear part of that interview I had with Chief Williams coming up here in just a couple of moments. So stick around for it.